Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Carol Angela Davis. I'm on pages five and six of the Mueller investigation, volume two, reading it word for word. You have to listen. Don't have to like it, but you got to listen. All right. Next section, efforts to curtail the special counsel's investigation. Two days after directing McGahn to have the special counsel removed, the president made another attempt to affect the course of the Russia investigation. On June 19, 2017, the president met one-on-one in the Oval Office with his former campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, okay, a trusted advisor outside the government, and dictated a message for Lewandowski to deliver to Sessions. The message said that Sessions should publicly announce that notwithstanding his recusal from the Russia investigation, the investigation was, quote, very unfair, unquote, to the president. The president had done nothing wrong, and Sessions planned to meet with the special counsel and, quote, let him move forward with investigating election meddling for future elections, unquote. Lewandowski said he understood what the president wanted Sessions to do. One month later, in another private meeting with Lewandowski on July 19, 2017, the president asked about the status of his message for Sessions to limit the special investigation to future election interference. Lewandowski told the president that the message would be delivered soon. Hours after that meeting, the president publicly criticized Sessions in an interview with the New York Times and then issued a series of tweets making it clear that Sessions' job was in jeopardy. Lewandowski did not want to deliver the president's message personally, so he asked senior White House official Rick Dearborn to deliver it to Sessions. Dearborn was uncomfortable with the task and did not follow through. Efforts, next section, efforts to prevent public disclosure of evidence. In the summer of 2017, the president learned that media outlets were asking questions about the June June 9, 2016 meeting at Trump Tower between senior campaign officials, including Donald Trump Jr. and a Russian lawyer who was said to be offering damaging information about Hillary Clinton as, quote, part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump, unquote. On several occasions, the president directed aides not to publicly disclose the emails setting up the June 9th meeting, suggesting that the emails would not leak and that the number of lawyers with access to them should be limited. Before the emails became public, the president edited a press statement for Trump Jr. by deleting a line that acknowledged that the meeting was with, quote, an individual who Trump Jr. was told might have information helpful to the campaign, unquote and instead said only that the meeting was about adoptions of Russian children. When the press asked questions about the president's involvement in Trump Jr.'s statement, the president's personal lawyer repeatedly denied the president had played any role. Next section, further efforts to have the attorney general take control of the investigation. In early summer 2017, the president called Sessions at home and again asked him to reverse his recusal from the Russia investigation. Sessions did not reverse his recusal. In October 2017, the president met privately with Sessions in the Oval Office and asked him to, quote, take a look, unquote, at investigating Clinton. 
In December 2017, shortly after Flynn pleaded guilty pursuant to a cooperation agreement, the president met with Sessions in the Oval Office and suggested, according to notes taken by a senior advisor, that if Sessions unrecused and took back supervision of the Russia investigation, he would be a, quote, hero, unquote. The president told Sessions, quote, I'm not going to do anything or direct you to do anything. I just want to be treated fairly, unquote. In response, Sessions volunteered that he had never seen anything, quote, improper, unquote, on the campaign and told the president there was a, quote, whole new leadership team, unquote, in place. He did not unrecuse. Next session. Efforts to have McGahn deny that the president had ordered him to have the special counsel removed. In early 2018, the press reported that the president had directed McGahn, turning the page, excuse me, to have the special counsel removed in June 2017, and that McGahn had threatened to resign rather than carry out the order. The president reacted to the news stories by directing White House officials to tell McGahn to dispute the story and create a record that he had not been ordered to have the special counsel removed. McGahn told those officials that the media reports were accurate in stating that the president had directed McGahn to have the special counsel removed. The president then met with McGahn in the Oval Office and again pressured him to deny the reports. In the same meeting, the president also asked McGahn why he had told the special counsel about the president's efforts to remove the special counsel and why McGahn took notes of his conversations with the president. McGahn refused to back away from what he remembered happening and perceived the president to be testing his mettle. Next section. Conduct towards Flynn, Manafort, and then it's redacted. After Flynn withdrew from a joint defense agreement with the president and began cooperating with the government, the president's personal counsel left a message for Flynn's attorneys reminding them of a, the president's warm feelings towards Flynn which he said, quote, still remains, unquote, and asking for a, quote, heads up, unquote, if Flynn knew, quote, information that implement, implicates the president, unquote. When Flynn's counsel reiterated that Flynn could no longer share information pursuant to a joint defense agreement, the president's personal counsel said he would make sure that the president knew that Flynn's actions reflected, quote, hostility, unquote, towards the president. During Manafort's prosecution and when the jury in his criminal trial was deliberating, the president raised, excuse me, the president praised Manafort in public, said that Manafort was being treated unfairly and declined to rule out a pardon. After Manafort was convicted, the president called Manafort, quote, a brave man, unquote, for refusing to, quote, break, unquote, and said that, quote, flipping, unquote, uh, quote, almost ought to be outlawed, unquote, the rest is redacted. Conduct involving Michael Cohen, next section. The president's conduct towards Michael Cohen, a former Trump Organization executive, changed from praise for Cohen when he falsely minimized the president's involvement in the Trump Tower project to castigation of Cohen when he became a cooperating witness. From September 2015 to June 2016, Cohen had pursued the Trump Tower Moscow project on behalf of the Trump Organization and had briefed candidate Trump on the project numerous times, including discussing whether Trump should travel to Russia to advance the deal. In 2017, Cohen provided false testimony to Congress about the project, including, <clears throat> excuse me, stating that he had only briefed Trump on the project three times 
and never discussed Russia travel with him in an effort to adhere to a, quote, party line, unquote, that Cohen said was developed to minimize the president's connections to Russia. While preparing for his congressional testimony, Cohen had extensive discussions with the president's personal counsel, who, according to Cohen, said that Cohen, quote, should stay on message and not contradict the president. After the FBI searched Cohen's home and office in April 2018, the president publicly asserted that Cohen would not, quote, flip, unquote, contacted him directly to tell him to, quote, stay strong, unquote, and privately passed messages of support to him. Cohen also discussed pardons with the president's personal counsel and believed that if he stayed on message, he would be taken care of. But after Cohen began cooperating with the government in the summer of 2018, the president publicly criticized him, calling him a, quote, rat, unquote, and suggested that his family members had committed crimes, unquote. That's the end of that section. That's pages five and six. Next time I'll be reading seven and eight. Thanks for watching. Okay, folks, I'm Carol Angela Davis reading the Mueller Report to you. Now, of course, this is volume two of the Mueller Report, and I'm going to read two pages a day, which is about eight or nine minutes a day, and today I'm reading pages seven and eight. Okay, we're on overarching factual issues. We did not make a traditional prosecution decision about these facts, but the evidence we obtained supports several general statements about the president's conduct. Several features of the conduct we investigated distinguish it from typical obstruction of justice cases. First, the investigation concerned the president and some of his actions, such as firing the FBI director, involved fa facially lawful acts within his Article II authority, which raises constitutional issues discussed below. At the same time, the president's position as head of the executive branch provided him with unique and powerful means of influencing official proceedings, subordinate officers, and potential witnesses, all of which is relevant to a potential obstruction of justice analysis. Second, unlike cases in which a subject engages in obstruction of justice to cover up a crime, the evidence we obtained did not establish that the president was involved in an underlying crime related to, elect to Russian election interference. Although the obstruction statutes do not require proof of such a crime, the absence of that evidence affects the analysis of the president's intent and requires consideration of other possible motives for his conduct. Third, many of the president's acts directed at witnesses, including discouragement of cooperation with the government and suggestions of possible future pardons, took place in public view. That circumstance is unusual, but no principle of law excludes public acts from reach of the obstruction laws. If the likely effect of the public act is to influence witnesses or alter their testimony, the harm to the justice system's integrity is the same. Okay, although the series of events we investigated involved discrete acts, the overall pattern of the president's conduct towards the investigations can shed light on the nature of the president's acts and the interference, the inferences, excuse me, that can be drawn about his intent. 
In particular, the actions we investigated can be divided into two phases, reflecting a possible shift in the president's motives. The first phase covered the period from the president's first interactions with Comey through the president's firing of Comey. During that time, the president had been repeatedly told he was not personally under investigation. Soon after the firing of Comey and the appointment of the special counsel, however, the president became aware that his own conduct was being investigated in an obstruction of justice inquiry. At that point, the president engaged in a second phase of conduct involving public attacks on the investigation, non-public efforts to control it, and efforts in both public and private to encourage witnesses not to cooperate with the investigation. Judgments about the nature of the president's motives during each phase would be informed by the totality of the evidence. Next subsection title is called Statutory and Constitutional Defenses. Okay. The president's counsel raised the statutory and constitutional defenses to a possible obstruction of justice analysis of the conduct we investigated. We concluded that none of those legal defenses provided a basis for declining to investigate the facts. Next section, statutory defenses. Consistent with the precedent and the Department of the, excuse me, consistent with the precedent and the Department of Justice's general approach to interpreting obstruction statutes, we concluded that several statutes could apply here. Section 18, U.S. Code, and they go through the sections. One of them is Section 1512C2, is an omnibus obstruction of justice provision that covers a range of obstructive acts directed at pending or contemplated official proceedings. No principle of statutory construction justifies narrowing the provision to cover only conduct that impairs the integrity or availability of evidence. Sections 1503 and 1505 also offer broad protection against obstructive acts directed at pending grand jury, judicial, administrative, and congressional proceedings, and they are supplemented by a provision in Section 1512B aimed specifically at conduct intended to prevent or hinder the communication to law enforcement of information related to a federal crime. Next section, constitutional defenses. As for constitutional defenses arising from the president's status as the head of the executive branch, we recognize that the Department of Justice and the courts have not definitively resolved these issues. We therefore examine those issues through the framework established by the Supreme Court precedent governing separation of powers issues. The Department of Justice and the President's personal counsel have recognized that the President is subject to statutes that prohibit obstruction of justice by bribing a witness or suborning perjury because that conduct does not implicate his constitutional authority. With respect to whether the President can be found to have obstructed justice by exercising his powers under Article II of the Constitution, we concluded that Congress has authority to prohibit a President's corrupt use of his authority in order to protect the integrity of the administration of justice. Under applicable Supreme Court precedent, the Constitution does not categorically and permanently immunize a President for obstructing justice through the use of his Article II powers. 
The separation of powers doctrine authorizes Congress to protect official proceedings, including those of courts and grand juries, from, from corrupt, obstructive acts regardless of their source. We also concluded that any inroad on presidential authority that would occur from prohibiting corrupt acts does not undermine the president's ability to fulfill his constitutional mission. The term corruptly sets a demanding standard. It requires a concrete showing that a person acted with an intent to obtain an improper advantage for himself or someone else, inconsistent with official duty and the rights of others. A preclusion of corrupt official action does not diminish the president's ability to exercise his Article II powers. For example, the proper supervision of criminal law does not demand freedom for the president to act with a corrupt intention of shielding himself from criminal punishment, avoiding financial liability, or preventing personal embarrassment. To the contrary, a statute that prohibits official action under... Oops, sorry, folks. Forgive me. <laughs> this is... Sorry. Okay, be nice. I'll have to hold this. I don't know what's being weird. All right. To the contrary, a statute that prohibits official action undertaken for such corrupt purposes furthers rather than hinders the impartial, even-handed administration of the law. It also aligns with the president's constitutional duty to faithfully execute the laws. Finally, we concluded that in the rare case in which a criminal investigation of the president's conduct is justified, uh, it, it, inquiries to determine whether the president acted for a corrupt motive should not impermissibly chill his performance of his constitutionally assigned duties. The conclusion that Congress may apply the obstruction laws to the president's corrupt exercise of the powers of office accords with our constitutional system of checks and balances and the principle that no person is above the law. This is the now the conclusion that I'll be reading. Because we determined not to make a traditional prosecutorial judgment, we did not draw ultimate conclusions about the president's conduct, okay? The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that would need to be resolved if we were making a traditional prosecutorial judgment. At the same time, if we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state. Based on the facts and the applicable legal standards, we are unable to reach that judgment. Accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. That's pages seven and eight. See you next time. That'll be tomorrow for nine and 10. Have a good day. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.